This is a production of NTEU Chapter 49, representing most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. My name's Larry Lannon. I'm a volunteer with Chapter 49 and a retiree. I want to welcome everybody to the Chapter 49 podcast. If you enjoy these podcasts, please feel free to send the link to others or just contact Duncan Giles uh, through the uh, email system IRS has if you work for IRS. And uh, he will be glad to uh, send you a link every week when he we put this uh, podcast up and, and running each week. So, Duncan, welcome again. It's uh, winter is set in for uh, for good, I think, for a few weeks, and we're waiting for our big first snowstorm in central Indiana. Yeah, as I was telling, thank you, Larry. As I was telling somebody today in Florida, I said, yeah, they're predicting three to six inches for central Indiana, so that means we could either get a dusting or a foot. Well. <laughs> We've 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 often shoveled our snow flurries that were predicted, so that uh, that has happened in the past. But then I hear the forecasters say that it, we could have this three to six inches, but then as soon as that's fallen, it's all going to turn to rain, and if it's warm enough to rain, that'll wash it all away. So who knows? I mean, I, I'm just got to brace for anything. You just don't know. Although I'm, I'm thinking that you know, forecaster is second best to a high-level IRS executive and the fact that, you know, it, people, when they make a mistake, people forget it often. I think that many weather forecasters would take offense to that, but uh, <laughs> just my initial thought. But, uh, actually, forecasting has kind of become more techy, and it's actually more accurate now than it was. It doesn't mean it's totally accurate. So we're bracing for snow, and uh, we've been spoiled because we're now toward the end of January, almost to February, and we haven't had a major snowstorm yet, so we're lucky there. I want to start off with something, and there's just something in the, that's been in the media, and I think it's one of those issues that it's very difficult to understand, and I want to kind of get into that. Because we've heard all about this GameStop thing, this Robin Hood app, and we've heard about the hedge funds being outmaneuvered by these, these groups of small investors who gather at Reddit. Now, I don't get on Reddit much. It's a whole different kind of place to talk okay, on, or talk uh, right online. I, I was on it a while back and decided this is not for me. But uh, they've all gotten together, and uh, they've started uh, jacking up the, the, the share price, essentially, by buying up – Shares of, we'll just use GameStop, there are some others, but we'll just use that as the example. Because they had heard that these hedge funds were, uh, were were selling short. Now, a lot of people have been trying to figure out what all this means, and I think you and I probably uh, know it better, because my first, uh, how should I put it, advanced tax law class I had at IRS talked about stock options. There are put options and call options. Put options mean you're betting the stock is going to go down. A call option means you're betting it's going to go up. And uh, I think unless you understand what a put option is, it's hard to understand just what these hedge funds were doing or what these small investors were trying to do. But it is quite wild to read about this. Yeah, I find it uh, fascinating that, you know, basically a group of individuals is saying, hey, we can do the stock market our own way and basically put it to a lot of these hedge fund managers who've put in, as you said, the put option that a particular stock like GameStop is going to go lower and they rise the price of it. These people that are buying these shares make the shares rise. And so there's a big shortfall. That's why today, for example, the stock market is down 
600 or so points on the Dow, which is not the best indicator, but the most well-known. It, it's just a uh, fascinating thing to watch uh, when people start getting into legalized gambling, which is what the stock market <laughs> actually is. Oh, my gosh. It, it, that, that is some truth to that. If you're not in there for the long term, you really shouldn't be in it unless you know what you're doing. And you wonder if people even know what they're doing because the hedge fund managers are supposed to be like the top-notch people knowing what they're doing. Uh, but I don't know. I've never had a great love for hedge funds. I don't think they're all equal, but a lot of them I could do without. But that's just a personal opinion. So, um, yeah, the put I just thought of put options. And I know you were in, a, in, in the class that I helped teach which where you first learned about put and call options. So that first thing that came to mind, I'm sure it came to your mind when you read about this. Yeah, that was yeah. Your classes uh, helped me brush up, but my dad spent some time as a stockbroker and liked to uh, like to gamble himself in the stock market. So I was unfortunately well versed in what put and stop options were because he was usually on the losing end of those. Yeah, they call it selling short too. It just means you're betting a stock's going to go down uh, anyway. And 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 people would have always said that uh, that's how Joe Kent, the old Joe Kennedy made a fortune in the stock market because he predicted the Great Depression. And he, for, he he's one of the few people that profited off the, the, the fall of the stock market in 1929. But anyway, I just want to talk about one other thing. And I have uh, mentioned this in previous podcasts, especially when we had our uh, national legislative uh, head, uh, uh, Ms. Sibanka, who heads up the legislative department of Washington, uh, for uh, NTEU, and, and and I have been to many uh, conferences, legislative conferences in Washington, so I spent a lot of time at the U.S. Capitol and the office buildings on either side of the Capitol where the, all the office buildings are located for the members of Congress. And I, I don't know about you, I, I watched today as the plans were put into place to put the security fence all the way around the Capitol building. And I... It's sad that it has to come to this because I remember I brought my wife Jane one year and we were able to take pictures right on the Capitol steps. You know, it was cold, but it was, you know, it was open and the lights were on. It was a gorgeous sight. Uh, taking those pictures and just being able to to deal with that was um, was so special. And what I worry about is that, you know, as we go into the future, that, that may not be available. And it's all because of the actions of certain people, I would guess. So um, it's just a comment that I would make. I know you spent some time in Washington as well. Yeah, I, I echo your sense of sadness. It's it's very tragic that it has had to come to this. But, you know, in, until some of this settles down with, you know, there's still an awful lot of traffic with domestic terrorism out there, and we can't take any chances. Let's move on to the issues of the day. The first one I want to talk about is this system called SETR, S-E-T-R. Anybody working for IRS knows what that is. It's how you input your time, how you spent your day, what you spent your day doing in certain categories of, of, of responsibilities and work. During this pandemic, especially working at home and all the other things that are going on, there had been a requirement that you had to put your setter time in every single day at the end of every day. Um, that was, I don't think, always the case before. So as things begin to ease up a little bit, uh, are we going to see some easing up of the setter requirements? Well, that would involve logic. Um, you know, Ken Moffitt, our national negotiator, or head of our national negotiations, 
and Doreen Greenwald, our assistant to uh, Tony, President Tony Reardon, are on these calls every week with the IRS. And they said, well, you're bringing these folks off of WSL, weather and safety leave. It's going to be pretty settled down. So we're assuming that you're going to lift this restriction that employees have to input their time every day and go back to what it says under the contract. And the response from the IRS was basically, they have no plans to change it until the pandemic is over. <laughs> I, would okay. like a, I would like a definition for the date as to when we will declare this over. Uh, I'm sure you would. I'm sure uh, Doreen would. I'm sure Ken would. I can tell you for a fact, Tony Reardon and Jim Bailey, our VP, would. Um, I Basically, I think it just eases things for the IRS, so they want to keep it as long as possible, is, is my thinking. And, uh, yeah, so I guess that's the bad news for the people working at IRS. You've been inputting all that setter time every single day, and uh, that's going to continue. Have we had uh, much trouble with people accessing setter? Are the employees generally able to get into the system? Uh, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been pretty good. Setter is getting prepared to be replaced uh, within the next couple of months with a new system uh, that should look very similar to Setter. Uh, the problem with Setter being that it's uh, very, very old and not a whole bunch of people know how to fix it when it does go down. Okay, so it, okay. it should be very similar, but I have not heard any widespread issues about not being able to get in aside from the time on Mondays when, uh, when it's locked and they're collating the time. We have a call center in Indianapolis, uh, and it's at a separate site for the Mentor and Capehart building. And uh, I would say a large number of people in that call center have been set up at home for obvious reasons. Uh, just the fact that uh, it's, it's dangerous to bring that many people into one place. Do we have any idea how many employees, rank-and-file employees, people on, on the phones, how many people on the phones are actually working inside that building at the call center right now taking calls? That number varies. Uh, it's, right now, it's somewhere around a dozen or so. We're anticipating more once they come off of weather and safety leave at the uh, start of next week. And that's one of the reasons that we're very interested in seeing what the plan is for social distancing there, because we want to make sure that everybody is at least six feet apart and to comply with the president's executive order that no more than 25 percent of uh employees should be in the building at a time. Yeah, and that's uh, that's going to be a difficult thing to do. Now, just let me before we get to the 25% issue, let me just kind of get to this distancing issue. You know, I've been in, in that call center a few times. I never worked in there, but I was given a tour some time ago. Is it? Po I don't think it's possible to have back-to-back -back, uh, cubicles. You'd have to almost uh, separate people with one empty cubicle between them. Is that what you understand or is it more complicated than that as far as no, separating that's, people? That's my, that is my understanding that there should be a space between a cubicle, uh, a cubicle space between employees. And from what I'm understanding with the amount of people that are teleworking at the call site, um, they should be able to do that with not a problem, but I still want to see the plan. So, yeah, that's, and that is something the management is required to share with NTEU. So you're still waiting on that? 
Yes. Okay. Uh, we'll talk more about that on the next uh, next uh, next uh, podcast, I'm sure. There's something else that's also tied in with this. Uh, I'm, you know, again, I don't work out of the IRS anymore. I've been retired for almost ten years now, and I do try to stay in touch with things through uh, through you, and you do a good job of dialing me in. But there's been an issue with uh, people working at home with calls being dropped. Now, as far as anybody can tell, this is not the fault of the employee. As far as anybody can tell, it's a problem with the system. And so the system is dropping these calls. And as I understand it, there are people who are being called back into the call centers for the simple reason that these calls are being dropped. So do we know whether it's in the uh, laptop equipment uh, that has been provided to these employees is there some connection issue? Uh, do we really know? Or just tell me what you do know about this whole issue of dropped calls, which are creating an issue with people being required to go back into a call center to work at least for a while. Yeah, this sort of bubbled up from the different uh, from the different call sites and service centers across the country. And once National got a hold of it and figured out pretty quickly that it was happening everywhere, it wasn't just isolated because it's happened quite a bit. For folks in Indy, but it also happens for folks in Fresno, Kansas City, St. Louis, uh, Atlanta, everywhere. So we're thinking that there's some sort of systemic issue with this. My guess, um, just based on anecdotal evidence and knowing the IRS as I do, I, I absolutely believe it has to do with a bandwidth issue. IRS is saying when it's been brought up on these national calls that we have that they are not sure what it is. They think it may be related to Jabber, which is a talk function on the IRS system, but they're not quite sure. So they're going to take a, they're going to ask IT to uh, take a look and address this because IT has so much spare time on their hands. (laughs) Well, yeah, right. I'm sure they'll get right on it, right? It's not their fault either. They they are inundated with work, especially this time of year. So as I understand this situation, there's no employee being accused of dropping calls on their own. It's a systemic thing. And I don't know about you, but it just, just from what I have been able to gather from the information that you've provided me, uh, for these people to work in their homes talking with these taxpayers – there is such a high level of security that is required within that IT system. I mean, isn't there a high probability? There are just so many things that could go wrong. There's a high probability that the there that there's some inherent issue that uh, IT just hasn't been able to identify yet. I yeah, I think that's very probable. Uh, when you're talking field employees, they say it's okay to use um, you know your your own existing Wi-Fi, as long as it's a secured Wi-Fi. But for these calls, they're saying that they directly have to be hooked in um, to the router slash modem, if that's what you have. You have to be directly connected to that. It can't be over your Wi-Fi system. So we're not sure where the issue is with that. Um, if they are using a hotspot, if if somebody doesn't have internet at home and they're trying to use a hotspot to take calls, that's a whole nother technical issue in and of itself that's a nightmare. 
But so but, far, but so far, there hasn't been a direct connection between hot spots and this, correct? Correct, correct. Yeah, this is a different issue than uh, than the hot spots. Well, so it's uh, yeah. We'll, we'll wait. Do you have any idea or been given any indication by the local management how many of our call site people are being called into the the call center because of this? No, because again, that's another number that varies per day. Because your system may work fine today. And then tomorrow it may be bad. And then you try it the next day and it works. So that's another thing that's infuriating everybody, employees, management, and especially IT, when they're trying to pin it down. Yeah, I mean, that that alone tells you that they're, the issue is not simple. So, yeah, uh, we have a lot of good IT people, but they have a lot to do, and this will not be easy to diagnose. Let's hope, you know, people can, you know, be, can't work out of their homes when they want to. I had... Uh, been hoping that that had been going well. I guess it is going well for a number of people, but we've got this glitch. It has to be taken care of. So it's sad people may have to come into the office when they are perfectly able and willing to work at home, and it's working other than that issue you're talking about. Let's move on to the people working in the field, collection, uh, examination division, others who are working with taxpayers and and, uh, tax representatives face-to-face. Last time you and I talked, there really wasn't much of that, and it was because of the fact that neither the, the, the taxpayers, the tax reps, or the agents or, or uh, people working uh, in examination wanted to have face-to-face contact. So where is that as we speak right now? Yeah, one of the things that, again, got mentioned on the call to IRS was that the guidance uh, ends on January 31st. So naturally, Ken and Doreen asked the question, what happens after that? That would be kind of good to know. The uh, collection has stated that their guidance goes through March 31st, and that is, you know, very limited face-to-face, and it uh, basically requires territory-level approval. Uh, For exam, they have said that right now there is – no specific date as to when they are anticipating that agents will go back out and uh, have face-to-face meetings with taxpayers or POAs. That does bring up an issue you and I have touched on before. I doubt the answer is any different, but I will bring this up within a little different context. Uh, We're recording this on January 29th, and on the Today Show earlier today, this, the morning we're speaking, um, there was a, a, a representative of the Biden administration, a high-level scientist, who said teachers should all be vaccinated as soon as possible. They've been pushing for that in Indiana. It really hasn't happened. The governor's had a little has had different priorities, and uh, it just hasn't happened. Although there's a big push now to get that done. I have seen that there is this high-level task force that is in the White House now looking at all of this, including federal employees. And I've seen issues where, uh, for instance, uh, employees of the Veterans Administration are being vaccinated. They're not being done by VA employees unless they're in the health part. Uh, But there may be ways to vaccinate people in federal agencies through not the management side, but other people doing the actual vaccinating. But I think it's important to say that even though we have these employees whose job it is to go out and actually work in the field and, and interact with 
with uh, taxpayers and tax professionals. As I understand it, there's still no plan to vaccinate IRS employees unless something comes out that we haven't seen yet. Uh, That's correct. Not only is there no plan to vaccinate, but they don't want to give administrative time for somebody to go and get vaccinated, which I find fascinating. They say it's something that you have to take your own leave for. Hmm. My goodness. Okay, and that would that would include testing as well, I assume, if you feel you need to test. Exactly. So it's all your own sick leave. Is, is there argument that they don't have authority to grant this administrative leave? What's the argument from the management on this? Basically, they're not sure of what they can and can't do, in all honesty, um, because there are so many unknowns in this. It's just new for everybody. And so they just... You know, as we, you and I both know, and I'm sure the vast majority of people listening to this know, unless the IRS has something, their I's dotted, T's crossed 14 different ways, they don't want to go out in any limbs. And this is exactly that type of situation. And, you know, sometimes a pushback that uh, IRS gets is not necessarily from within our agency. It's, it's either higher authority or the Treasury Department. It should be noted that uh, the new Treasury Secretary has just been sworn into office. She has uh, been confirmed by the Senate. And uh, we are hoping that uh, she will look at these things a little differently than uh, Treasury staff has looked at some of our issues in the past. I know we're very hopeful that uh, our National President, Tony Reardon, is cautiously optimistic on that point. Let's move on to uh, another issue, and, and uh, as I've mentioned uh, before, I have I wasn't an enrolled agent until recently. I retired from that. Mostly, I had that for for some teaching I was doing at Indiana University, uh, but uh, so I was interacting with uh, tax professionals. So I still see some emails I get now and then from organizations, and the uh, tax professional community is is is. I won't say they're freaking out, but they're a little concerned about the fact that IRS had to greatly move back the start of the filing season. What would mean the the point at which tax returns for 2020 can be processed either on paper or through electronic filing. Uh, So how has that impacted uh, the work of the IRS internally amongst the employees? It's, it's very tough because actually, we've pushed back and asked that it start even later than that because we're trying to make sure that especially folks in our call sites and especially, especially, especially our folks in the uh, service center, specifically submission processing are able to get vaccinated because that's going to be, even, even if you try your best to separate physically separate, that's going to be some close quarters. And that's where we've had, the vast majority of our folks who have gone uh, who've gone out on COVID that have caught COVID and gone out. We don't know that there's a cause and effect there for sure, but you can sure draw a line from A to B. So we were asking that it be pushed back so these folks would have an opportunity to get vaccinated. And for the very reasons you stated that, you know, the tax preparer community out there was already freaking out about February 12th the IRS said they couldn't start it any later. Yeah, and, and if you remember back, uh, the first reports of COVID-positive tests came at the Kansas City Service Center, an area where they were 
processing paper. So even though our chapter does not represent service center employees, you, I know, have many friends in that group of, of, of service center chapter presidents. Uh, I'm sure they're pushing to make this as safe as... But how safely can you mass-produce paper returns uh, for 2020, frankly, when you're still not finished with the processing from the previous year and all these stimulus payments? Uh, that's it, exactly. I mean, I talked to several of the... Um, service center chapter presence. And that's exactly the issue is it's all concern for the employees. It's not to say, Hey, we're trying to bog up the works, but right now we're still working on the 2019 returns. And now we're getting you ready for us to roll 2020 when we're just not prepared and we could be putting our people possibly in harm's way. And all of them to a person have pushed back hard on that as as people like myself have to say, let's try and use some common sense. And I get the idea that right now the IRS is between a rock and a hard place in that. And they decided on February 12th as about the safest middle ground that they could come up with. Well, if you do too late, that just creates another set of problems because that, uh, if I remember right, the April 15th deadline, is that not in statute? Well, we pushed it back last year. Yeah, but it was. So but I think that that took heaven and earth to get moved for that to happen. So that that it did, and we thought that we could get it done again, because you know this has been the deadliest month for COVID nineteen uh, since it started in the U.S. And so it's it's not abating yet, and we want to make sure that every one of our employees is as safe as possible. And we understand that work has to get done and the mission has to get accomplished, but there shouldn't be any reason that it should cost people health, much less their lives. Well, and I think an outbreak at uh, a service center or campus, as they call them, I guess, also, or any large IRS office could be devastating for the agency. So I'm sure the management is understanding Absolutely, because there's only so many people that can work from home. A lot of the uh, work in the service centers is just not portable. Exactly. And so they have to be there. Yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of tax deadlines, uh, NTEU has negotiated a, a new service uh, or a benefit, I guess you could call it, for members to file their taxes. Tell us about that. Yeah, this came uh, about in a partnership. Uh, basically, SPEC engineered this um, so that we could go with one of the partners with Tax Slayer. And the great thing about this is, is our NTU members can go in through the NTU website and basically there's a link there. You can go to Tax Slayer and file your taxes for free, state and federal. So it will not cost you anything to file your taxes. You won't have to pay for the Tax Slayer uh, assistance or software. You won't have to pay for you know, if your state charges a filing fee or um, anything of that nature. So this would be f to what level of complexity? I know some people have self-employment, other things, maybe uh, complicated investments on the side. Uh, are you able to file with whatever complexity of return you may have? Yes. Oh, and there's a uh, okay. FAQ now up on www.ntu.org that will go through any question that you might have. 
on this, but I think it's a great, great benefit for members out there uh, to be able to have this because we all know, we all know, or we should all know that you definitely need to file your taxes on time. And please, Lord, if at all possible, pay your taxes if you owe them on time. Um, so it, it's just a great benefit to have. And, you know, unless you're eligible for a free file and you like another service so well that you want to continue to do that, I would strongly advise everybody to take a look at this. Uh, yeah, and I, there's an, uh, how should I put this? Uh, when, when you tell people from the outside that you work for IRS, they always assume you're a tax expert, right? And not everybody working for IRS is an income tax expert. So just because you work for IRS doesn't mean you have all the answers even to file uh, your own individual income tax return. For many, it does. I, I, others, spent, it I spent 10 minutes yesterday while I was getting my hair cut explaining to the lady who's cut my hair for more years than I care to think about that, you know, she had, she had gotten unemployment and then their owner had gotten the uh, loan. So they had to pay back the unemployment and she was concerned about how she was going to get back her uh, $600 in uh, federal tax withholding. Oh, So I spent 10 minutes explaining that one until she finally understood it. Oh, so uh, I assume that, uh, so that, that, that get a reduction in your haircut fee, I assume. Nope. <laughs> Didn't even get to lessen the tip. Uh, that's right. When you're working for IRS, you're not allowed to charge. I, that's true. Even a discount. <laughs> so. but no, that just that just goes to your point. When people hear IRS, yeah. okay, well, I've got a question. Maybe you can answer this. Okay, here we go. One of the biggest accomplishments NTU is, is was a definitely a part, a big part of this, was having Congress pass a law allowing for paid parental leave. I think that was a huge step forward for federal employees. But now there's a new piece of legislation that has been introduced in this Congress, in the House, that would uh, expand that to not just paid parental leave, but paid family leave for certain extreme situations that might happen to people. Serious illness, uh, one of the family members being deployed uh, overseas or at a long deployment outside the home, uh, some other, a few other reasons. It's in the Congress. That's just a proposal at this point. But uh, I would simply urge people, uh, if you haven't already, set up an account at NTU.org. If you're a member, it takes a minute or less to do that. There's a whole section on how you can send an email to your member of Congress and both senators. You put your zip code or address in. They'll tell you who your, who your representative is and, and show your senators and you can either do a preordained uh, or pre-written uh, message. I would recommend at least some personal part of that. I mean, write it yourself or use it as a template. And send a message to the people who represent you that this is something that you want to do. It's never too early to do that. It is certainly early in the process. The Congress has a lot of other work to do. But at least it's, it's uh, in the system and it's uh, been introduced. And I'm sure that uh, uh, the people who have introduced this legislation would love to have more co-sponsors. So uh, bug your member of the United States House of Representatives to be a co-sponsor for this bill. Anything you'd like to say, Duncan? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great, con as you said, a great continuation of the paid parental leave. And we're already starting to get questions about it. As we're recording this, I'm reading an email that somebody's already wanting to take it. 
That's good to hear because it is a it's it's a, it's a benefit and, and right that and you worked very hard to get for people and put into the law. So it's very good to hear people are trying to take advantage of that. Any uh, final comments, Duncan? We've reached the end of our actually we're a little over our thirty minute uh, period here. So anything you want to chime in with before we end this? I I just want to as as always urge everybody wear a mask, socially distance, be safe and treat each other well we're all in this together and let's let's just keep moving forward and get out the other end of this darn pandemic to start with and then go from there you just heard duncan giles president of nteu chapter 49 you you've been listening to the chapter 49 podcast we try to do this every week we make it most weeks not all uh, we would, again, encourage you to let the word out. If you enjoyed this podcast, you think we have something important to offer, you know, send the link to others or just contact Duncan Jobs with the IRS email system. He can send you a link uh, each week and be put on a list to be uh, uh, given that. It's also uh, uh, linked every time we do have. Uh, uh, the first thing we do when we uh, post this podcast is to put a link on our Facebook page. It's very easy to uh, follow or like our Facebook page. Just go to Facebook and and, uh, search under NTEU Chapter 49 Indiana. If you use that exact search, it'll come right up and uh, follow us, like us, and you'll receive uh, in your Facebook news feed um, information that we bring along that we think might be of importance to you. And uh, we'll always uh, provide the links to these podcasts when they're posted. So I want to thank you very much for listening. We appreciate that. And we also wish all of you the best. And please be kind and be safe.